Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. From the halls of assembly, you hear a scream and shout. I love of Indiana, his manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Hello, Eric. Do you want me to have that really dramatic pause where you puff on your cigar? You want me to include that? Because it's great if they're watching. I just think on the podcast, they'll think something's wrong. No. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) Which renders the last 20 seconds meaningless. Hey, you know, it's what people expect from our intros. By the way, rendering meaningless could be the subtitle for every intro we do. <laughs> this... uh, we've got a lot to talk about. We, we do have a lot to talk about. Number one, we're shooting this intro after we did the interview for today, after we did the outro, after we found out that Indiana baseball season is over, after making it to the sectionals and losing to Hensucky two mm. games in a row. But overall, they won more than 40 games this year. A pretty amazing season. Baseball seems to be pointed in the right direction, so that's very exciting. Yeah, but- I mean, nobody expected them really to do anything this year. And then and then you know you're doing something right in baseball when you're showing up as the headline on pigs.com. Like, oh, you know, like now you've got our attention. And I'm getting texts from, from frat brothers, from other college buddies about the game and and it's fun you you get excited about it for a minute and then your heart's broken but such as being an iu sports fan no kidding we got a lot to talk about i want to hit something right off the top before we get into our very dear friend and sponsor we are in crunch time for hoosier fantasy weekend hoosier fantasy experience go to hoosierfantasyexperience.com there's two things i want to talk about today the fantasy camp yep there are still some spots available for the fantasy camp which shocks me, but there's still spots available. If you are interested in either playing or coaching at the Fantasy Camp, please go to HoosierFantasyExperience.com or email us at HoosierHysterics at gmail.com. DM us at HoosierHysterics for the hysterics, no E. No I, but the sometimes why. 
Ooh. Little mystery, little mystery on who's saying that. Little yeah, they'll never, they'll never figure it out. But please get in touch with us. It is a dream weekend. You get social events where you're mixing and mingling with the coaches and the players. The players are your coaches. You get a gear package. You get to use the players' lounge in the locker room. You're getting dressed in the locker room. You're running out to Assembly Hall. You're shooting at Assembly Hall. You are getting coached by the current players. You get to mingle with, oh, I don't know, maybe Calbert Cheney. Let's go. Let's go. It is a it is a spectacular weekend. We have some spots left. Please sign up for it as soon as you can, or reach out to me if you have questions about it. And the other thing is the golf outing. The golf outing is remarkable. Friday morning, August 18th. The Fantasy Camp is the 18th to the 20th or the 17th to the 20th if you purchase the Captain's Package, which includes some just unbelievable access and truly, truly special social events. But the golf outing is Friday morning, the 18th at the file course. Every foursome gets paired with either a current IU coach, somebody from the IU staff, or a former IU player. It's a scramble format. We give away some stuff on putting contests and long drive and closest to the hole. It is a party. It is an absolute blast and just such a good time to come on the course, smoke some cigars, drink some beers, chum it up with friends and with IU luminaries. It's going to be amazing. And and bust balls. Like you might be getting ready to hit off the tee and Brian Evans might drive by in a golf cart and talk some shit. Like you don't know what's going to happen out there, but it's going to involve IU legends and you playing golf for many hours. Exactly. So please, IU uh, fantasy golf experience. Who's your fantasy golf experience? Who's your hysterics at gmail.com or who's your fantasy experience.com. And this weekend is only possible because of the people who sign up and our corporate sponsors. And one of those sponsors is somebody who has sponsored the fantasy camp in the past. He's doing it again this year. And of course we are powered by communitycarts.com. Sponsor of the pod Who's your hysterics? Illusion Engines Talk with Warren Aaron. It never gets old. Yeah. Yeah. Never gets old. Yeah, it never gets old because we never listen to it. Well, I do. I listen oh, to you it. Do when you edit it. Yeah, yeah. I don't listen to it much. I need I need a dose of it. I'm gonna go check it out tomorrow when you release the pod. I'm gonna check that out. Communitycards.com. I had a conversation tonight because might be in the market for another car what happened long story doesn't matter not my car my car is a dream right my car is a dream yeah but having a conversation about another car he's got great choices great prices and you know that your money your hard-earned money is going to a a family-owned company that is a huge part of the bloomington community and a huge supporter of iu athletics I-U-N-I-L, our NIL collective. It just feels good to know that if you got to spend your money, at least it's going to a family that you don't begrudge and a company that you don't begrudge having success and, and, and knowing that some of that money comes back to Indiana. It really does. That That is the, the feel-good part of it. You're getting the best deal. And even then, some of your money's going over here in, instead of, you know, hey, look, that's a serious workforce they have going in that part of Indiana, which is is nothing to sneeze at. And, you know, look, 
unfortunately, my 2010 Prius is still going strong, and we purchased our other car just like a year before uh, we started this podcast. But um, I really want to get another car uh, from them, not because I want another car. It's because I want the free jujitsu lessons that go with every car you purchase from communitycars.com. Three free jujitsu lessons and a discount on the remaining seven in the package. The first jujitsu lesson is in Brazil and they pay your way. Yeah. And and your trainer, Evan Martin. <laughs> I mean, it just gets ridiculous, even more and more ridiculous. Hey, Daryl. Yeah. Where is Brazil? What continent? It's Brazil, and it's in North Central Indiana. <laughs> That's true. It's close to Peru. That is true. That you know what? Maybe our best Daryl bit yet. <laughs> Not saying a lot, but no. maybe our most. No. All right, hey, or let's talk about wait, recruiting. Yeah. Wait, before we get to recruiting, I gotta, I gotta give a shout out. I am going to Peru, Indiana, this week for the Cole Porter Festival. Anybody in the greater Peru area, come on out to the Cole Porter Festival. Hey, Cole Porter, learn all about Cole Porter, Cole Porter music, Cole Porter this and that. It's fantastic. But it's all in downtown Peru. There's a lot of other music going on. It's going to be a great thing for this town and everybody who shows up. My sister and brother-in-law run the damn thing. Uh, My father's a part of it. It's a real family affair. And if anybody listening, and I know there are some listeners in and around Peru, get yourself to the Cole Porter Festival this weekend. I'll be there. Maybe next year we get Eric back to be one of the judges of the Cole Porter cover tune contest. That's right. We need celebrities judges um but it's uh yeah you know uh, usually when i go back to indiana it involves uh indiana basketball or the peru circus but this special weekend it will be the cole porter festival so coleporterfestival.org there you go Cotty. that's my sister you got you got the publicity what's the food situation are there like like food tents set up uh there's a few food tents there's vendors also, there's uh, just just good food around Peru. You can go to Mr. Weenie. Uh, Mr. Weenie, of course, I grew up every morning. I'd look out the window and there was the giant hot dog with a smile on his face with a sign that says Mr. Weenie. And yeah, I really do think it affected me. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. Is there any chance at a funnel cake? I don't. Funnel cakes are more the domain of Circus City Days, third week of July. But um, usually, you know, you have you have kind of several. There's I'll tell you where a great place to go is. It's a new restaurant in Peru called Seven Pillars. It is it is fine dining. It is brick oven pizza, microbrew beer like Peru is one of these little towns that through the hard work of the people of that town has renewed itself through having like an awesome little downtown with a lot of great businesses and food and a festival like this, it's just kind of a good time. So, you know, hey, you, you live in Wabash, Logansport, Kokomo, South Bend, Indianapolis, make the trip, have fun in Peru for a few hours or a day or two. Uh, can I share a quick story before we, we talk about um, recruiting? Of course, I just plugged Peru, Indiana for five minutes. You did. <laughs> So my kids are, two of my kids, my daughters, are going to sleepaway camp for four weeks. Wow, that's a long time. They leave on Friday, and my son is going with them to back to St. Louis. He's going to be with my parents for about eight days. 
So let's not get into the fact that I'm going to have eight days of no kids and no responsibility. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> no, love my kids. But my kids have been going to the summer camp for a while. And the camp overlaps Father's Day. So we haven't celebrated Father's Day in like eight years. And I've just kind of resigned myself to the fact that we're not going to celebrate Father's Day, which I don't get too worked up about. But last year, I got a little sad. Mm. Like, it would be nice to have a Father's Day. Yeah. This last Sunday, two days ago, I'm sitting in my backyard at around 10 a.m., smoking my third cigar of the day. (laughs) And I'm just kind of like, okay, well, it's my Sunday. Not a lot going on. I'm going to go inside and watch some TV, whatever. And I walk inside, and there are my three kids, Mandy, my ex-wife, and Holly. And they have decorated the kitchen. There are balloons. There are cards. There is a plate of apple fritters, which is my favorite donut. Yeah. Um, And they all say, surprise, happy early Father's Day. Aww. And they set up this whole Father's Day plan where we, we opened cards and they gave me a nice gift and we ate apple fritters. And they said, okay, the first thing we're doing today we're all sitting down and watching the 1987 championship game together. That is love. So we did that. We won, by the way. We won by one it, point. It was close. Yeah, I it remember that. We hit a shot near the end. It's worth checking out on YouTube. Although I did realize the YouTube that says full game, they miss a huge chunk of the game at the end of the game. We are down by three points at this point or two points we're down by two points yeah two points and we foul uh howard trish and he goes to the free throw line in reality makes the first one misses the second one keith smart skies for the rebound rips it down goes coast to coast there's like 38 seconds left there are exactly 38 seconds left grabs the rebound goes full court leaps up in the air and hits a difficult shot to cut the lead to one with 30 seconds left, which then led to us fouling Derek Coleman and the rest is history. They removed that part of the game. First of all, as you were describing all that, I got anxious again. I got nervous. I can't help it. You were like, is is Trish going to make that shot? Uh, the, the I, get it. I got nervous out. watching it. So we did that. Then they're like, we're going to take you to your favorite fast food place. So we went... They wanted to go to Sonic. I do love a Sonic, but it's way out. We yeah. instead went to Arby's. Oh, great. Great choice. What'd you get? Well, I am on a bit of a diet. So here's what I did. I got a half pound roast beef sandwich <laughs> and another roast beef sandwich. But I took the buns off and I just put all the roast beef on a plate and put some barbecue sauce and a couple French fries on it, or Arby's sauce and French fries, and just went to town on it. (laughs) Good protein. Good protein. Anyway, I just want to give a shout-out to my kids, my ex-wife, and Holly for an amazing pre-Father's Day, Father's Day celebration. That's that's great stuff. They, They know what you love. Them, Indiana basketball, and Arby's roast beef. And maybe not in that order. Wait, wait, so... So you took the buns off, but you did eat apple fritters? Well, here's the thing. I didn't want to, but my daughter, Stella, was devastated 
Yeah. I was yeah. like, you know, I'm on this diet. She's like, can't today be the cheat day? And I just did it for her. I have not broken much on my diet. I've been very good about it because I'm training for the fantasy camp. Right. Yes. Which I still don't know if I'm going to be able to play. I got a busted foot still. I got calf strains. I think I got Achilles soreness. My right neck is twitching. My right neck? <laughs> the I right side necks. of the neck. I um, so, so what you're saying is you might end up having to draft me. Maybe. I will never draft you. <laughs> so um, anyway, let's talk about recruiting because – there's 12 spots taken on this team of scholarship players. There's one spot left. There is no surprise, no secret. They've been trying to get a two guard. They want a two guard who can score and specifically shoot from the outside. They didn't get traction with Nick Timberlake. They didn't get traction with Ray J. Dennis. They didn't get traction with some other guys that they went for. Caleb Love couldn't get into Indiana. That's the truth. Oh, wow. Not just Michigan. Uh, the, all of the Big Ten's too rigorous for him, huh? That's why he ended up in Arizona, that piece of shit school. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth. That is the absolute truth. So they have not been able to fill that hole. Yesterday, they did have Joey Hart on a visit to Indiana. Now, Joey Hart is an interesting one. Yeah. Three-star, not highly ranked, good athlete, decent size, great shooter. Committed to UCF, decommitted from UCF, and the word was he was either going to go to Ball State or Indiana State. And then some big boys came in, Nebraska, Rutgers, Kentucky, and Indiana got involved. Now, word is that Kentucky is way out in front of this recruitment. And there's really no word if Indiana really wants him because I do think Indiana's holding out hope that they can get involved with Antonio Reed's who was the sharpshooting two guard from Kentucky, who has not, <laughs> as of recording this, we have not seen, is he 100% going into the transfer portal now? If he were to go in, he can go in past the transfer portal date because he's a grad transfer. Okay. So that's what changes that. He's a one-year guy, which is more attractive, I think, to Indiana than a potential four-year guy like Joey because of all the spots that they're going for in 2024 and 25. So it's complicated. And I don't think even Indiana has decided a hundred percent if they're all in on Joey, he's apparently supposed to visit Kentucky again later this week. Again, the word is that Kentucky's way out in front and they want him because Kentucky has like seven scholarship players right now. No kidding. Yeah. And five of them are freshmen. I like that. Let, now, answer me. It is this. the number one recruiting class in the country. But what what is it uh, that happened in Joey's game as of late to catapult him um, to the to the highest stratosphere of interested programs? I'm not sure anything changed drastically in Joey's game. I think what changed is there's a bunch of schools out there. Like, look at the schools I mentioned: Rutgers. They lost Cam Spencer. They lost a bunch of other guys that they thought they were going to have. They're desperate for scoring punch and shooters. Kentucky only has seven scholarship players. They need shooting. They want players that can be there for a few years. Indiana doesn't have a two guard outside of Trey Galloway and CJ Gunn that could come in and really fill it up from the outside. And Trey Galloway, his number one skill is not three-point shooting. You know, he his percentage went way up, but on very low value. So I think what happened is the transfer portal played out 
And there's just a bunch of schools who look around and go, shit, we missed out on a bunch of guys. Who's available? Joey's at the top of the list of who's available. Yeah, all right. I do feel like that narrative of Trey, high percentage, low usage, do people kind of always bring that up because the idea is he only got a few shots up because he can't really get those shots. That's not really a part of his game because I I'm of the simple man's opinion of, well, like, all right, get him to take a few more next year and we're fine. I think that's that uh, on paper, that makes sense ward. But I think that like Trey's game isn't break down a guy and shoot a three Trey's game. Isn't be in transition stop on a dime, shoot a three. Trey's game isn't come off of three picks, roll around at the top and shoot a three. Trey's game and most of his threes came either off of Trace Jackson Davis commanding a triple team and kicking it out to a wide open guy who could set himself or an offensive rebound that, you know, is like the best time to shoot a three. I think that everybody thinks that just that's not his skill set. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. He does a lot of other really good things for us, including defensively and energy. But I think that when you look at a Timberlake or a Cam Spencer or um, that Dalton Connect that they were looking at a little bit, these are guys whose primary skill is shooting. And you want to start with that, you know, if you're trying to build out your shooting. CJ Gunn could be that. He could develop into that for sure. But he's probably the only guy on the team like that. And so when you're when the thing that you think you needed the most was more three-point shooting and in different ways, and you don't have Trace Jackson Davis commanding the double and triple teams that he did, I think you like we need guys that can get shots off quick, can create their own shot. And uh, I think they like Joey's athleticism. He is a really good athlete, but that that's kind of where it's at, I think, from a from a basketball perspective. Bigger picture recruiting, I've got to say, for all the hand-wringing, present company included, that we enter this offseason with, not only uh, the landing of of Mr. Ware and McKenzie, uh, it's just, it's kind of incredible how often you can refresh Peeg's in this off season and find yet another five-star top 30 recruit from the 24, 25 class eyeing Indiana, scheduling an official visit to Indiana. Now you've been following recruiting longer than I have, but as long as I've been doing it and seemingly other, other posters who have, who have talked about it, it's like we have never seen this kind of parade of talent coming through Bloomington. And now that we're in a second cycle where we got two of the grand prizes, the, the, the conversation we've had over the last year, 18 months is, is this sustainable? And I mean, shit, I think if this, if this coaching staff can stay together and keep doing what they're doing, it kind of feels sustainable. They just keep them coming. Yeah, you're right. I I was trying to think of a time in recruiting where it felt this good. There were two other times. I'm not going to go back to the, you know, the 89, 90. (laughs) Like, I'm not doing that. Because I think the world has changed in college basketball since then. Kelvin Sampson had it rolling. When Kelvin Sampson got Eric Gordon to commit and we were close to Derrick Rose, 
Yeah. But the recruiting class after Eric Gordon's year that he played, where we had Devin Ebanks and Trey Holloway, like the, there were – Samson had it clicking in, in a good way. But not at this level, I don't think, as far as the number of guys coming in. And then there was the movement, Cody Zeller, uh, Yogi Ferrell, James Blackman, when Trey Lyles committed, when Colin Hartman and Devin Davis committed. Uh, there was real buzz around the Indiana program, but it was not sustainable. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't as national as what we're doing right now. What they're doing for the 2024 class, you know, I've always said this too, like there is no second prize in, in recruiting. Mm -hmm. You either win or you're in last place. Like that's it on a given recruit. But they are getting a ton of guys to come to campus in June. This month that we're in alone, we've got Boogie Flan, a top 15 guy coming into campus, point guard. We've got uh, Betsy coming to campus from the 2025 class. Liam McNeely is talking about another visit. Top 20 guy. I like his haircut. Yeah, I, I am with, he's got a nice head of lettuce. Yeah. Uh, but, he, you know, he chopped it down and he just, it, it's, it's a more aerodynamic look. Yeah. Derek Queen, you know, that we're, the, the interest in Derek Queen has become renewed because it seems like Maryland may be beatable on that one where three months ago they weren't. They lost all of their assistant coaches. Would you say it's become renewed? Because there's good players from Montverde and Bloomington? Uh, I think that's part of it. I think what may be more part of it, Ward, is Jalen Huchifino is going to be a top 15 pick in the NBA draft. I'm, you know? my, Lakers, my Lakers buddies are hoping he, he slips to 17 and they get him. But it's really fun to hear Lakers fans really hoping that they get an IU player in their first round draft pick. Yeah, it's awesome. And we talked about how the best thing for Indiana's team would be for Jalen Hood Shafino to stay one more year. But the best thing for Indiana's program might be for him to go to the NBA and get drafted high. Some of the reports I saw coming out of the combine and, and some of these early workouts is he may have slipped into the top 10. Let's go. Let's go. So, and, and this is why, even if maybe the recruitment sputtered out of the gates, you're still going to have somebody like Boogie Fland really interested because he sees what they did with, uh, uh, according to Rabbi, a slower version of himself. Oh, is that what he said Jalen Hood was? Rabbi said that Boogie is like Jalen, but faster. I thought he said Xavier, but faster. No. Really? Wow. Okay, well that, I mean, good Lord. I mean, <laughs> yeah. was he a superhero? So... It's just super exciting. There are so many guys, Flory Badunga, they're going after hard. I still think that one's complicated. And ultimately, I don't like our chances there, but they think they've got a chance. They're going for it. And I also think uh, equally as big as Jalen Hood Shafino, not equally, but just under, beating out Kansas for Mackenzie Mbako is a big deal. It's a big deal because we didn't beat out huge schools for Jalen Hood Shafino. We didn't beat out the Blue Bloods for Malik Renu. You know, we Khalil Ware, we didn't beat out Blue Bloods for Khalil in the transfer portal. Um, McKenzie, we beat out Kansas. That's a big freaking deal. And I love how Woody has talked about it at Huber Winery. He, he talked about, hey, we should have a seat at the table 
going against Kansas and Kentucky and Duke and North Carolina. And he's not afraid to take the chair out and sit in it, turn it around backwards and sit straddling it. Like <laughs> well, that's what he's doing. And if we want to be back in that conversation, not just in recruiting, but on the court, I do think there's a page from Bill Self's book being borrowed here, which is you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And Bill Self has gone after a shit ton of five stars, missed on the majority of them, but because he's going after them and he's got the Kansas machine behind him and all the history, you know, he gets enough to keep them in that position. And, and it's a harder task for Woody to, to revive that and to make the product on the court as good. But damn it, we got McKenzie, and I sure as hell hope we can thump the Jayhawks when they come to Bloomington and say, look, we beat North Carolina last year. We beat Kansas this year. Like, Kentucky's afraid to play us. Like, let's fucking go. Yeah, I agree. I think the line that, that Self has said is if you're hearing yes more than no in recruiting, you're recruiting the wrong guys. I love that which I love. Um, it's hard when you hear no's continually, like we did at the beginning of the transfer portal, and then it turns around. So I, uh, it's an exciting time for sure in recruiting. And I think in the next couple of weeks, maybe we'll bring Rabbi back on to do a deep dive into recruiting and really get into it. But the number of four, high four and five stars that are coming to Bloomington, that have come to Bloomington, is unlike anything since I've been following Indiana recruiting. Yeah, it's the off season and we're winning. I I I could I used to call this sports purgatory, not quite yet because the NBA championship isn't over. Um, and it'll be interesting to see as the longer summer months go along. But all I know is between who we have showing up in Bloomington right now, basically starting today, they needed to be there. And then, of course, uh, <clears throat> Anthony Richardson with the Colts. It's a great offseason for my teams. <laughs> no losses. No losses. Undefeated, uh, baby. Speaking of no losses, we're, we definitely didn't lose when it comes to our guest today. No. We are very excited to have him for his second featured appearance on the Hoosier Hysterics podcast, about a year apart from each other. Can't think of a better guy to talk to as we head into workouts starting with Indiana. The first weightlifting workout happened on Monday, yesterday. The first basketball workout starts today. Very exciting. Uh, and a guy who could potentially be your coach at the Hoosier Fantasy Camp, August 17th to 20th, HoosierFantasyExperience.com. Check it out. And now let's get to the interview. And sometimes why? No, no, that's not now. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, he's back. He's back almost a year to the day. Almost a year to the day, but this is one of our favorite human beings, one of our favorite basketball players, and of course, one of our favorite Hoosiers. Eric, who do we have here today? Hailing from Miami, Florida, which... A year ago when I said Miami, Florida, I was like, oh, Miami's cool. Now I hate Miami, and I hope this guy hates Miami too. Uh, he is a national champion from Mount Verde. 
He was honorable mention All-American by Max Preps. He did appear in the Jordan Brand Classic. He was ranked in the top 27 in the country by 247, ESPN, and Rivals. He, of course, committed to Indiana University a little over a year ago. He played his freshman year at Indiana University last year where he just made the Indiana faithful fall in love with his feathery touch inside, his great passing, his ability to step out. We saw that at the beginning of the year, and he tantalized us with his footwork, his touch, his basketball IQ, and now he's back for a second year at Indiana University where he figures to be a huge part of the success of this coming season. He's also a Hoosier Hysterics NIL ambassador. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to Malik Renew. Welcome back, buddy. How y'all doing? We're great, man. We are great. So, listen, we talked just for a second uh, before we started recording. Yes. Real quick, show us to the right, show us to the left. Let the audience know who's <laughs> actually in the room with you here. <laughs> well, KV went in the room real quick, but I got... Okay. So, y'all... DJ <laughs> Gunn. CJ Gunn. Baby, come on. What's up? <laughs> I'm my other friend. There, there he is. is. Caleb Banks, everybody. <laughs> All right. So, Malik, wh- what's going on right now? Where are you? It looks like you're in a hostage room. That's what it looks like. With, But uh, tell us what's going on. It's obviously you've just moved back to Bloomington. Where are you? What's the story? I'm in Bloomington. Uh, I'm in Verve. Um, at our apartment right now. That's Fino's old boxes from when he was packing. <laughs> nice. I miss Fino, so if you <laughs> let him know. Um, well, you miss him, so you're keeping his cardboard boxes to remind you of him? Nah, we just we just left him there just because, um, just in case when we move out, because we're, we're moving out of Verge soon after uh, when school starts about to back up in August, so. We were probably going to use those boxes to help us and stuff. So nice. Where are you moving to? Um, Atlas. It's just a little up. Uh, um, <laughs> it's just up a little bit. Um, got KB in them. They, they be in a What's pool. KB doing? KB's we've clowning. Heard, we've heard KB is the comedy when it comes to this team. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. He's silent, though. He's silent with it, but he, he's pretty funny. That's hard to do. It's hard to pull off comedy, silent comedy. It's like Charlie Chaplin. Especially on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, Malik, when did you get back to Bloomington? Um, June 3rd on Saturday. uh, I touched back on Bloomington. And uh, I've been kicking off from there. We we started our official practice today. I mean, well, lifting today. We had our first lifting. We didn't practice yet. How... How long were you back home in Miami for before you headed back? Um, about a month. And what was that like? Was it good to be home with the folks? Yeah, it was good to be home, see my dad, see my mom, my brother, and then some a couple of my friends. And then, you know, get still work out and stuff. It was it was good to be back home, get a little rest too. So what's your setup there for working out? You have access to a gym? How do you do it? Yeah, I got access to a gym. Um, I have a trainer down there um, that I train with. And he has his little own his he has his own gym. It's like a little mini half court, but you know you can still get a lot done in a half court. And then, and then I go lift with um, detail down in Miami. A little lift guy. He does like plyometrics and stuff. So like, 
it's just working on your core and stuff and, and your balance and stuff like that and your mobility and stuff. And I worked out down there late nights, probably like eight o'clock, nine, and then go home and then get some sleep, <laughs> play the game a little bit. And then that's pretty much it. All right. Give us some stats. Where are we at? Weight? Are we up? Are we down from where we were at the end of last year? Where do you want to uh, be when the season starts? Um, so I was talking to Coach Cliff um, before we left um, to go to the little break we had. And then just now when I came back, and he, um, I was talking like 240 and then 230, like between 235, 240. And he was like, yeah, that's a nice way, but you got to um, be in the um, 7%, 6% body fat range. So I just got, I'm working on my body fat right now, you know, and then that's it. And then. These two months working out with Coach Cliff, running and stuff, I should get down there soon and be ready to go for the season. I uh, I am forty eight percent body fat. Oh, <laughs> is that a good number? Is that a good number? Feels good. Feels um, real good. Forty eight. Mine's is only like nine, nine ten. So. <laughs> yeah, mine's higher. I win. It's just because you're taller. That's it. It's really it's just stretching it all out. About like three four. So that that's I'm gonna run that off in about two three weeks. So I'll be all down. Right. What and, about, um, you know, in the in the half court gym down there, uh, what were you working on? Is that some stuff that the coaches told you to work on in the offseason, stuff you took upon yourself? What what did it look like? Um, uh, um, coaches sent me stuff like like Coach Hunter, like not even before we was working out, before the, um, going to the little, the little break, I was working out with Coach Hunter, and I took some of his drills, like copying them down, down there in the half court because we do like a lot of half court half court um little drills and stuff so I took some of those from coach Hunter and then he amplified uh, like he showed me like how to do different drills and then like we'll do like a series of like four shots and like we're doing a different like a different like shot each time so it'll be like off a of pick and roll off a of pick and pop then a catch and shoot three and then probably a dribble pull up but it's all like back to back to back and then we'll do drills like that and then do that like a couple reps, like oh, four or five reps. And then you got to do like best out of five. And then like if you don't get the three out of five or the four out of five, whatever the number is at the time, then you got to redo the whole thing, the all four shots again. You got to keep doing it until you, you know, reach the four out of five, five uh, and five out of five. And then after that, we do a lot of catch and shoot um, threes, spot up threes and stuff like that, transition threes. Like, cause we got to, it's like a half court, but it's like a little bit more than a half court. So we run into the trailer threes and stuff like that. And then a lot of like off ball movements and then working on the post still, like still touching up on the post game and all that too. So the footwork, the post hooks and all that stuff, just freshening up on that. Cause you don't want to lose that. Cause that's my bread and butter still. Yes, <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. Um, that's, that's it. Real quick. Three-point shooting contest, you against the two guys that are in the room with you right now. Come on, who wins? Um, I'm gonna say hey, I'm competing with them. I'm gonna say I'll probably I'll probably win. Just get, I, I say uh, just because I'm a I'm, I'm a little cocky, so yeah. I'll probably say I'll probably say me and then CJ then KB because I'm gonna get in their head when they're shooting. <laughs> <laughs> so they shooting and they gonna get mad and frustrated. They ain't gonna let them get to me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna still make them and stuff. I like it. Now, now switch the camera over to CJ. <laughs> CJ, they went back in the room. Oh, they went back in the room. I was gonna smart. say, there's no way you could have said that with CJ in the room, and he wouldn't have piped up. 
Yeah, the, the CJ Gunn family, they always got they, they got a response for everything, especially CJ. CJ, he got a comeback for everything. He's good at that. <laughs> All right, so Malik. Well, I was I, just going to ask one other thing. Did you, did you get any pickup games going down home, or is that, like, off limits? Um, I, Because I, I wasn't trying to, like, really play that much, but I did do a couple, you know, one-on-ones, and, you know what I'm saying, because I, I work out with other college players and stuff. So we're doing a lot of one-on-ones and they're like skilled guards, like wing players and guards. So it's not really, I'm guarding big mans. I was trying to like, you know, guard the perimeter. So we're doing a lot of one-on-ones off the dribble and stuff like that. So I'll play against them and stuff after like workouts we do. I I want to ask, um, we're going to ask about this whole off season and then obviously talk about year one at Indiana, but some interesting confluence of things for you. You're from Miami our season ended at the hands of Miami. So going back to Miami, I would imagine you know some of the guys on that team and probably cross paths. Does that suck? And Anthony Walker, who played on that team, is coming to Bloomington. Were you able, and I know he's still down there, were you able to connect with him at all? No, I did not connect with Anthony uh, when he was down there. Um, just the simple fact that... Um, I don't know. I, I just we probably didn't just reach out to each other or something. Or he probably didn't know that I was down there or something. You know what I'm saying? So it was like at the time I didn't know where he was at. Sure. Stuff like that. So it was like I probably didn't I didn't get to go, you know, to Miami or nothing to play with with the, the pros and the stuff like that. So that was kind of hard. Cause I, I went one time to go play with them and I played I played with Anthony Walker one time when I Oh went you did? Up. Yeah. I was on his team and stuff. So that's when I first met him. Yeah, and was then, that last year? Yeah, that was last year during the recruitment and stuff. That's when I first met uh, Anthony. Very cool. Now, the first part of the question: Does going back to Miami now suck a little bit now that they beat us? Just, just a tad bit. Just a tad bit. It's still, <laughs> it's still Miami, but yeah, just a tad bit. They got that. They got that over me right now. So I got. I got to get my revenge. That's right. Well, and it's easy for us to think now we just like Miami. It's all one thing. It's the place that we don't like because they they escorted us out of the tournament. But for you, it's like, oh, there's home. There's family. There's other things besides the University of Miami. Um, But that said, you're now a Hoosier. Were you excited to get back to Bloomington? Yes, I was super excited. It it was about time. That that month was kind of long. That was about time for me to get back to Burb. And, and you know, start working on my game, working with my teammates and stuff. So it was good to be. It was good to be back. Can we do a quick comparison of, like Ward said, we talked to you almost a year ago to the day was the first time we all got on one of these, and you were bright eyed and didn't know what the hell was going on around you, still trying yeah. to even learn where the bathrooms were, uh, <laughs> and here you are a year later. You know, uh, a lot of experience, a lot of ups and downs. Um, you're you're. You know, one of your closest friends, Jalen Huchifino, obviously heading to the NBA. Uh, you're not a freshman anymore. You know, you're going to be counted on and relied upon. What has changed for you as far as just your mindset as you look back on where you were a year ago? Um, definitely coming into my second year, um, I, I got big expectations for myself and for my teammates and for the team itself. So um, coming in, I got, you know, I got big plans for for my team and I, I want to help and contribute as much as I can to my team and, you know, help my team out in any ways possible. So 
coming back, you know, I, I, I got that chip on my shoulder that, you know, I want to come in stronger and show what I could do on the court and, and also be that, you know, that leader because we got a lot of transfers and a lot of, you know, young players coming in that don't know the system. Um, and it's going to be their first line le learning Coach Wilson's system. So, I, you know, I got to help them out with that and all that stuff. And be that, and that be that guy to help them out when when they don't know, you know, the defensive rotation or something like that. Yeah. Now you guys are all showing back up. Everybody better be there by today, basically. Except I think Anthony's got to wait till the end of the summer because of school stuff. So are you are you jumping on that text chain a little earlier now and telling guys, hey, we're gonna do this tonight, or who who kind of organizes the activities outside of of practice where the coaches don't really have domain. Yeah, um, I'll say Anthony does a good job with that, and, and, and X too. Like you know, he reaches out to all the players, saying, "What's up? What you doing?" And, you know, um, just keeping in touch with them, you know, and communicating. And I think I think they they do a pretty good job at that. And then you know, I you know everybody bits in here and there, so it's it's good communication throughout all of us right now. We we all have um, we all like each other, and you know, it's not it's not no distance away from. I think we all gonna blend in pretty well. Now, I know there's no hazing. You can't haze. It's 2023. But is there any kind of O initiation or maybe even something nice like taking the new guys to a restaurant? Is there something you do for the guys transferring in, the freshmen, to let them know that they're an Indiana Hoosier now? Um, nah, I mean, we, we, I haven't thought of that or nothing like that. But I think, you know, Anthony, um, Anthony will probably think of some, something good to do, you know, as a group and, you know, just bond with each other, probably go to a little restaurant and, and you know, hang out and stuff like that. Who, who knows? We, we'll probably think of something. And then you give Gabe a swirly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I am. I want to ask you just a couple kind of overall questions now that you've got a year in. What? If you could point to one thing, what was one thing that was much harder than you expected it to be for your year? Um, much harder. That's a good question. Thank um, you. <laughs> it's a very average question. No, it's great. <laughs> I need, you know, I need to think about that one. Can you say it one more time? Sure, Nate. Like one thing that when you look back on your year was maybe harder or more challenging than you thought it would be a year ago? Yeah. Um, I was saying understanding and buying into what um, Coach Wilson was saying. You know, you know what I'm saying? Because it was hard um, at times to understand what the defense was about and how to, you know, do it coming in. So I say – buying into what Coach Woody had to say and then really understanding. And that's when I started, you know, having that break and, and started really building momentum back up from, you know, at, towards the end of the season. So. Yeah, it's funny. And I think we'll go through the season, but you definitely see kind of a wave, you know, of your, of your performance where at the beginning, let's be honest, when we're playing St. Mary's Sister of the Poor, where you could just go out and ball, it doesn't really matter. But then we started playing the better opponents and your usage went down, you know, your minutes went down, which we'll get into. But then you see an uptick at the end of the year and two of your best games, truthfully. I mean, you know, you, you went double digits in rebounds in the Big Ten tournament and we'll get into that. 
was like the first time where it was like you were just a beast on the boards. And it seemed like you ended a little bit on, on an uptick at, at the end of the year. So, so is that kind of what you meant about the buy-in happened for you around then? Yeah. That's and, really, that's interesting. And was it, was it about buy-in or if I'm thinking about it, you're coming in there as a teenager with, with a few good years of basketball under your belt but then you've got Coach Woodson, who's got about 45 years on you, and all that time spent in the NBA, is it really just like he's almost speaking another language? And, and was a lot of that just about truly understanding not only the, like the vocabulary, but why he was having you do this? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the, you know, coming in, because it's a lot of like codes or, like, or names we have for like, stuff so you know you gotta like understand that and then you gotta understand the just the principles of the defense so you know I was I was understanding it I just wasn't like you know doing it at a like a rate that like I understand it enough so it was like hard for him to really like trust and like be like he's gonna do that when when it counts in the game so then when I started understanding and really learning and really understanding it that's when he was relying on me and then he was, you know, putting me in the game and and believing in me. So it was good to see that. And then that's when I started prospering and stuff. Right. So then, then it's getting beyond, okay, I understand it intellectually. It's like in your muscle memory, it's instinctual and you can react quickly enough in the right way. Yeah. Cool. So you mentioned on your workouts down in Miami, there's a lot of shooting, a lot yes. of outside shooting. Now, we got a little taste of that earlier in the season, I would say, with you when you were playing, I think, a little bit looser and freer and not thinking too much about it. And then, you know, the year became what the year became. You were a low post guy. That's how they wanted to use you. But clearly, Trace being gone, Race being gone, a lot of opportunity for you. Was there a conversation with you going into the spring and then the summer about we want you to expand your game. We want to take advantage of the touch we know you have. What what was that conversation like? What did they say to you? Yes, um, you know, all the coaches we had, we had a little, you know, group meeting and and they asked me what did I want to be, um, a four or five and I told them before. And then it was like you gotta start, you know, playing as a as a guard, but in the four position and, and moving quicker, defending, you know, perimeter guys and stuff like that. So and a lot of like spending your game. So this summer when I was working out with Coach Ja, Coach Hunter, and B and Coach Walsh, um, we were always I was always with the guards and I was working out, you know, Gallo, X, Anthony, you know, CJ, you know, all the wings and the guards and and we didn't do no big man drills. It was all just guard work and stuff like that. And then that helped me, you know, get the handle and you know what I'm saying, move quicker with the ball and you know. And guarding, you know, Gallo and X quick guys and stuff like that to help you move lottery quickness, you know what I'm saying? Doing little stuff like that. And then when I was back home, I was doing the same thing. I was guarding the little guards and stuff like that, the quick guards that move fast to help me on my first step and stuff like that. Wow, that's awesome. And and have you – can you really tell a difference? Yes, uh, I feel like, you know, I'm moving quicker. I feel, you know, lighter and stuff like that on my feet. So I feel good. And have they sort of started to, I mean, you guys now, maybe one more piece comes in here at the last second, but now you're getting 
uh, a, the roster is 12 out of 13. So have you guys started to have conversations amongst yourselves? Um, have, have you talked about it with the coaching staff of what a offense is going to look like without Trace Jackson Davis, how that might be different? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, because we, we talk uh, as a group, you know, uh, as the team that was, you know, the, the six guys that was there before, you know, the people came in and we we're talking about, you know, all that stuff and, and like what Coach Wilson, like thinking what Coach Wilson would want to do for this year and, and then just seeing like what we were doing in the, um, during the spring when we were working out with Coach John, it was a lot of like, it wasn't a lot of post posting up and stuff like that. It was a lot of like being up on the perimeter. So you could kind of get a feel of where we were going. A lot of like perimeter stuff and, you know, ball screens and stuff like that and not like posting up as much because, you know, it's it, it's getting towards that time, that that game and it's not a lot of, you know, posting up like that no more. You know, before we go backwards, I do want to just talk about this summer a little bit more in terms of the turnover of rosters, because it's huge. It's this is what college basketball is these days, right? Transfers in, transfers out, NBA out. Like It's just a lot going on. Was that a difficult thing to just go through where you see guys that maybe you got close to leaving? I mean, clearly Jalen, I think you probably had an idea that that was going to be Jalen's path, but was it hard for you just on a personal level to deal with that much kind of uncertainty and, and, and uh roster upheaval? Um, well, going in, we, we, like you, you knew that, you know, Trace and uh, Trace was leaving and you knew race had to leave and Miller, so you knew those guys were leaving. So that from the start, you knew that. And then the other guys that you were uncertain with, like JG, um, yeah. stuff like that. It was just you know you're like, is he gonna stay? Is he not gonna stay? I mean, it's like whatever. That's his decision. But it's like shaky on his part that he'll be in it. You know, so it's like he's not really a hundred percent what what we were doing at Indiana. So it's like okay, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's nothing personal, but. It just, you know, it just had to be. And then just the transfers coming in and stuff like that. It's just, it's just, you just don't know what you were going to get. And then we finally got a team that, you know, Coach Wilson was asking us, oh, you like this guy? You like this guy? And we were like, yeah, we're, he'll be good and stuff for our team. And then, you know, the people that he, he told us um, that came to the visit, you know, they, they liked the visit and they had, they must have liked it enough to, you know, commit. So I, I think for that. Yeah, I, I want to follow up, though, Malik, on you just personally. Um, look, college basketball has become a sport where, and college football to some degree as well, where every player that has value at the end of every year has to make a decision for themselves. Is this the best place for me? Or do I go somewhere else and see where my value is somewhere else? Both value from a playing perspective and an IL perspective, all that stuff. And there's no doubt that somebody like you with your skill and your size and your youth would have opportunity at a variety of other places. And you chose to come back to Indiana. You didn't put your name in the transfer portal. Can you just tell us why you came back to Indiana? Why, why when so many people do put their names in, what was it that convinced you, no, this is the right place for me to continue my 
education and my basketball career? Um, I just believe in the coaching staff and, and Coach Wilson himself. You know, um, they, they they do a lot for me. And then on the court aspect, you know, to, for me, um, they're going to play me as a four, you know, so I'll be, you know, more out on the perimeter a little bit because that's how, uh, that's how he wants his forward to play and stuff like that. And then, you know, the, and then Coach Cliff in the weight room, he, he did, I did a great job with him last year, you know, getting stronger and being more tougher. How and, much, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, no, what were you, you going to say? I was just going to say, how much impact did Ward and I have on you wanting to stay at Indiana? <laughs> like, where do we fit in on that? Y'all, y'all on top on the list. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, he's already been. He's done some media school training. <laughs> let, let me ask you this because I think us, us old heads, us gray beards, who are like, oh my gosh, it's me. You know, we remember when players would come and they'd be there for four years. But have you ever really known a world like that? Because you, you, you went to Montverde, what two, three years maybe, uh, AAU um every summer is this kind of roster turnover much more normal to you as a young player than to us as old fans yeah this is um this is nothing new you know like AAU people hop team to team all the time so it's not you'll see a player on one team and then the next weekend he's on another team so you know it's it's basically that but just you know college for you know I'm saying NCAA but it's it's nothing normal you know people switch schools all the time and you know, you just got to adapt to that. And then I just got used to it, you know, playing AAU, playing on, you know, playing on a team for so long. And then people are team hopping and stuff like that, trying to be, you know, unstoppable on, on that type of level. So you just got to, you just got to just adapt to it and, and understand that's going to happen. And then, you know, you, it'll be easier on you and stuff. So Malik, about 14 months ago, yeah, we were insane fans. And we were following the recruitment of one kid from Mount Verde who had decommitted from Florida. He was playing in the Jordan brand classic. He was going to come visit Indiana right after that. He was there with his buddy. He went to a restaurant called Bedrock. He committed. People went crazy. The restaurant went crazy. And you, you forever have become part of recruiting lore at Indiana University. Cut to... 14 months later, you're a player at Indiana University when we're recruiting a guy named Khalil Ware and a guy named Mackenzie Mbako. And you're now in the position that many of us fans were in. (laughs) Are we going to get these guys? How good can this team be? What was it like? Let's start with the Khalil one. You and Khalil are in the same class, right? You came out of high school at the same time. You probably saw each other either on the AAU circuit or all-star games. Um, what was it like being in the position you're in now when the Khalil Ware recruitment was going on? Yeah, um, when I found out that Khalil Ware was, you know, being recruited hard by, you know, Indiana, um, when he came on his visit, you know, I, I went to the dinner and, you know, I was his host and stuff like that. So I was showing him around Bloomington and stuff like that. And then kicking it in the room and stuff, you know, playing video games and and stuff like that, you know, doing stuff. And then um, I get he had a great time, you know, it was great talks. You know, I talked to his, you know, his people that was there and they had a great time. And, you know, and everything went well. So in my head, I was thinking, yeah, like, Khalil, this one, I think we, we got it. I think he had a good time. 
So when he uh, when he came and he finally announced it, I was like, I was like, yes. Like, <laughs> I, I was like, yes, I knew this one was gonna happen. And then did I you know like, him beforehand from high school? Do did, did you guys um, cross paths? Yeah, we crossed paths, you know, you say what's up and stuff, but I didn't know him like as of like right now, now I'm, you know, I'm getting to know him and stuff. He's a great guy, you know, great personality and stuff like that. Uh turns out also incredibly tall. Yeah, he's, he's super tall. When he's standing next by me, he make me look a little short too. So you know, <laughs> gotta tell him to move back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and what about Mackenzie? Because that one kind of took yeah. everybody by surprise, I think, that Indiana was able to get involved there. Yeah, we got involved. Um, you know, I think I think we got involved, you know, kind of late once he once he decommitted. I think, yeah, he decommitted. And we, we hopped on him. And, you know, they were talking to him. And then Coach Coach Y'all called me. He was like, yo, Malik, we're going to send you, or, you know, his, his number. And then, you know, text him and see, um, and see what you can get out of him. And then I, was, I text him, you know, telling him what's up, you know, and telling the, the pros and the cons and, you know, stuff like that. Keeping it Cons? Real. Cons? No cons? I, I, no cons? I was keeping it real with him, you know what I'm okay, saying? Okay, good. Ooh, yeah. good strategy. You're yeah. a good sneaky spy. Yeah. You got you got to keep it real with him so when, when, they, when they're going for their last decision, they, they really understand what it's all about and then why – it, it's it's so good and it's so and happy to be here as a Hoosier. So I just have to wait, 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 wait. No, we think, can't we can't leave that dangling. Well, <laughs> I mean, we may want to uh, undangle it a couple of different ways. I, I go ahead. Yours is probably funnier. No, what's the con? What's the con? Yeah, <laughs> it gets a little crazy a little bit in here. Okay, no, that's fair. Like, I'm glad you brought that up. You mean like the pressure from crazy mid forty year old fans, like these two idiots on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, you know. And then, and then uh, telling them all about the coaching staff and stuff like that, you know, telling them, you know, how they how they act and stuff like that, you know, just keeping it real with them, like on that and not on that type of thing. And I think that really. Um, and then he asked me a couple questions, and I answered it for him. Um, like how is Woodson and stuff like that, and I told him all about Woodson and how he's a you know a player coach and he loves his players and stuff like that. You know, keeping it real. And then you know, I think he he thought of that. And then other people were texting him also, like X was, and you know, people was just you know trying to you know get it on you know tell him all about you know Indiana. And then I think I think we all did a good job at, uh, you know to pull it off. And, he, and yes, he you did. Now, now, how much, because you said, hey, the, Yah gave you his number and said, hit this guy up. So, obviously, there's already a high level of trust between the coaching staff and you to to be real with a kid. Um, I guess my question is, and, and this goes back to something the coaches have told us, that there is um, only a certain type of player that's right for Indiana University. Yes, the basketball skills is a big part of that. Getting your getting your grades is another big part of that, but I wonder if in these conversations, do they ever want you to report back on some of these recruits? And you don't need to name names, guys. We got or we didn't got, but do they want to hear from you? Like, hey, is this guy really a dick, and we don't want him? Do, do they want to hear the the skinny too? I mean, when, when I'm texting them, I, I I don't report back because like, you know, what I'm saying I don't want to, you know, tell the coach. Be a narc. 
Yeah, or like, but <laughs> if they ask or something like that, you know, how you feeling about um this kid or something like that, I'm like, yeah, uh, like I'll tell them, like, yeah, I think I think he um he likes it and stuff like that, and I think he that we got a, a strong possibility of getting him and stuff like that, and I'll tell him stuff like that. I won't tell I won't tell him like what they say and stuff. Cause that's that's well, like I, I guess, and I didn't really uh, imagine it where you would be talking trash about a kid to the coaching staff. But now this is your team, this is your program, and I would imagine you just want to make sure that the chemistry stays right. Yeah, I mean every every um you know recruit I, I have talked to you know uh, it's been you know great talk. We had great talks and um, great conversations, and and he'll ask me something about it uh, about school and you know about what we do on on the court and stuff like that and I respond and then I tell him a question and see how he responds and stuff like that and just go back and forth and then like that do you ever get asked by any of the recruits so be honest with me how's the NIL at Indiana oh do do they ever ask about like the NIL and stuff yeah i <laughs> I tell him it's good. I tell him it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you... I, I, I don't be as cocky as Coach Woodson. It's pretty damn good. It's pretty... <laughs> I was going to say, you better tell him it's good, Malik. I want to take this in a totally different direction for one moment because it is uh, the most exciting news in like 10 years for Indiana University for two guys who grew up in the 80s and early 90s. And I want to know, have you gotten to talk with Calbert Chaney yet? No, I have not seen him yet. <laughs> oh, 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 my friend. Do, great speaks. Do, you, do you, are you, one that, once that announcement was made, have you started to get a sense and you probably already got it from being there a year with his name up in the weight room on the all-time scoring list, you know, Calbert Chaney. But, like, are you starting to get a sense for how beloved this man is who's coming back? Yeah. I, I see it all over Twitter and stuff. It, it's crazy. You know, Twitter t- Twitter tells it all. You know, when, when I heard it, I seen it on Twitter for the first time. I was like, uh-oh. And then I was looking, scrolling up and stuff, and it was nonstop. It was crazy. Have you gone to YouTube? Have you done any YouTube uh, searching for old Calbert clips? Not, not yet, not yet, not yet. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're going to see the smoothest left-handed jump shot you've ever seen. And since you're a left-handed dude, you Ward, yeah, put it against your body. There we go. There we go. That, that, that's not really his trademark jump shot. How did it ghost me completely? Yeah, okay. There's that. And then even more importantly, hold on. Put it against oh, your body. I'm trying. Oh, God. What the shirt, the shirt, it against the shirt. Oh, I see it. <laughs> yep, there's Ward. Ward's all-time real- favorite, Calbert Cheney. Yeah. Um, one question I wanted to ask you because you did take a, you did talk a second about it gets a little crazy here, which yeah. is true. I mean, we've talked to many people about this. The pressure at Indiana is different than the pressure at most places. It just is. We care a lot. The fans care. The coaches care. The staff cares. The students care. The faculty cares. Like, everybody cares. Um, how was that for you, Malik? Did that take some adjusting? Like, when, when things are going great, it's awesome. When yeah. things are going bad, what was that like for you? I mean, for, like, um, for a losing standpoint, when we see it, 
you try not to look, you know, at that stuff, especially after a game and stuff. You know, you got to clear your head and stuff. Going, it's on to the next game because you play in like the next two days. So it's like you you don't let that get to you. But when we're home, it, you see at home like we 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 lost like what one or two games at home. So it's like we don't lose too much at home because that it's like when we're home, it's 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 like love and stuff like. It's like they only support us. It's like you don't see green or yellow. It's it's just red and white. You know what I'm saying? You no, know, no, we got those colors in there. So it's like it's always hype, and I love playing home games. You know that's where I get those juice and when we go on those runs and stuff like that, and we're having fun. It's just a great feeling. Love yeah, it. we should we should definitely get into a few of those home wins, a couple on the road too. Should we should we jump back to the start of the season? And I guess my first question on that is: You're coming in, you're you're a top thirty recruit, and everybody's really hyped. Um, but did you have what we like to call that? that welcome to college basketball moment was there maybe against trace or somebody like that where you realized even though you were playing at montvert against the top talent in the nation that you were now at a different level um great question but yes, yes. again average <laughs> um but i don't I don't think so. I, I mean, probably my get to college moment was probably like, I'll say the conditional, the one time we had a condition, it was like finished Friday one time and we were running and it felt like a long time and I was just dying out there and I, I was passed out and stuff. <laughs> so after, yeah, after we finally finished all the runs, the sprints and stuff, I was just laying there and I, and I looked up and I was like, yeah. This will get the college right here because <laughs> I was like, "Dang, it was crazy that day." I think that's when I realized. But on the court, um, going against Trace, it it was hard to go against Trace. I'm not gonna lie, but it wasn't like he embarrassed me. I was, you know, I was holding my own a little bit and stuff like that. But he'll get this little chance where he get past me one time, you know, dunk it. But it wasn't never like I got like dunked on or anything crazy. So. No, in fact, one of the, the things that made us so excited last year is when we talked to Trace before the season and we asked him about you, he, and this was after, like, the June workouts. Yeah. He said, and I quote, Malik is a problem. <laughs> Malik is a problem in uh, the best possible way. Trace um, is uh, he's unstoppable. Like, like, it's hard to guard him because, like, he uses his body so well. And like he uses so well, like so it's hard to block his hooks. It's hard to block anything out in the run because he knows how to use his body and his arms to you know move you away from the ball when he's shooting it uh, for the layups and stuff like that, and and dunking it. And he and he and he palms it like it's like he has a a, a grip a great grip on it every time he like holds the ball. And then it's like yeah, it's like you can't you can't rip it out of his hand like he, he real strong. So he he really unstoppable like and you and you can witness this every time you play and stuff like the stuff he does it's crazy one of the things that happened for you as far as a basketball player experience before the season even started and i bring it up because it's coming up again is in august of last year you got to experience your first fantasy camp your first fan fest uh -huh. What did you think of that experience? And and again, it's coming up 
this August, two months from now, HoosierFantasyExperience.com. People can go sign up for the fantasy camp. What was your experience being a coach at the fantasy camp? Uh, I had a great time, you know, you know, hanging out with the old guys. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, hanging out, hanging out with the um, with the fellas and stuff like that. It was it was great, you know, you know, having great conversations with the guys and um, you know, ultimately coaching them and, and watching them actually run our plays and and do stuff like that. It was actually fun to watch and it was funny and stuff like that. And I had a great time. Did your team win? No, we ended up losing. We came in third place, but well, it was rough when I we came in fourth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guys, I lost. <laughs> it was okay, though. Um, well, and I just do wonder, I don't know how it is at other programs, but, you know, I think before we got to do this podcast, before we got to do fantasy camps, it was like, there are the players, the Indiana players down there on the court. And maybe from your guys' perspective, it's like, they're the fans, they're up there. Did you feel like that event that weekend kind of like made fans, the Indiana fans, more human to you? Like, oh, they're just regular, good, fun, dorky people, um, not to be sort of, uh, let's say, uh, intimidated by as far as 17,000 people all cheering just as individuals. Yeah, it's definitely different. They all, you know, we all, you know, it felt like we were all the same, you know what I'm saying? Like we all did the same thing because we we weren't talking about basketball when we were having conversation. It was you know we were talking about other stuff, about families, you know, or where you live at and stuff like that. It was other stuff that we were talking about, and it it, it was different from you know just only hearing basketball all the time. So, uh, you know, you felt like you're you were a regular person, that, and you know, and it felt good to be around and have those. How, how's your pickleball game this year? I'm not too good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's now get to the moment of truth, which is your first game playing in Assembly Hall. The first game against Moorhead State. You remember this game? Yes. What do you remember about the feeling before the game? What do you remember about running out on the court for the first time? Just what do you remember about the whole experience? Um, Heart beating hard, sweating a lot, you know, getting that little... You know, that the agility and stuff like that and, you know, running on the court. And then I, I, I started that game because Trace was, you know, out. Right. Um, and then, you know, just when I was getting ready to um, tip the ball off, you know, just my heart dropped and stuff like that. And then when the ball got off, I tried to reach for it. And I was like, whoo, I was scared. <laughs> and, you know, after the first bucket we got, I was like, okay. And then I was back to normal, you know, and that's why I started playing. And then I got I got an N1 and on the right-hand side and stuff. And then I was, like, cruising from there. Okay, I'm comfortable now. So uh, we, we have a few of the uh, 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 less powerful teams in Assembly Hall, and you look very comfortable. You're out there. You're getting lots of minutes, putting up numbers. But we all know the first real test of the season, the one that had us all – dreaming of a final four run was you guys going on the road against a very tough Xavier team. And this guy scores 12, six boards, an assist and a steal. Just talk about like 
the experience of going on the road as an Indiana Hoosier in a hostile environment against a good team and a very good coach and more than holding your own? Yeah. Um, you know, ultimately it was just, you know, that the trust that coach had in me um, to, you know, play me um, and really believe in me. And we had a lot of foul trouble that game. So, you know, it was, you know, I, somebody had to step up and, you know, coach always saying next man up. So it was, it was me at the moment, you know, I performed well and had a great game. So Malik, when you look at your season, I kind of went game by game. Like I said, it does look like a bit of a, a wave. When you look at your first six games, which by the way, we start off six and oh, you're playing 17 minutes, 16 minutes, 16 minutes, 21 minutes, 18 minutes, 18 minutes. You're playing a bunch. You know, you are absolutely a huge part of the rotation. 15 points, 9 points, 12 points, 10 points, 10 points, 8 points. And then we play North Carolina. Yeah. And we hit a little bit of your first speed bump, right? Yeah. You play only 11 minutes, 2 points, 3 rebounds. We win that game. We go on the road to Rutgers, lose to Rutgers. You only play 15 minutes, 2 points, 3 rebounds. In your first 8 games, 6 of them, seemed really good, but there is one kind of bugaboo about those first, uh, let's call it eight games, foul trouble, which was something that did plague you, I think is fair to say, for the majority of the season. What was it? Because clearly it frustrated you, right? I mean, you could see it. It was frustrating. Some of them were bullshit calls. There's no doubt about it. But it does snowball, right? Like you get the bullshit calls, then you're upset. Maybe you get another cheap one because you're trying to make up for it. Was there something that you could pinpoint in watching film or talking to the coaches that was happening to you when you were picking up th- these number of fouls? Um, just my preparation going into, you know, certain things. You know, I was probably not down and ready. Just fan, I was probably standing up and just being prepared to, you know, move at any time and, and be ready to, you know, put your hands up and stuff like that. So uh, it was just preparation and stuff. And I think that was really fun. And also, you know, getting those little, you know, the BS calls too. So it's just like, it's hard to, you know, try to stay away from the BS calls and, you know, getting called for the the, the, the fouls that you actually have. So it it was just hard to get. And then I would also think we know that Coach Woody values defense and he values physical defense. So how hard is it to play physical but <coughs> not, not pick up fouls, especially when you are in a position where you're playing against, you know, you're guarding guys like Armando Baycott at times against North Carolina. Like you're you're playing against big guys on Rutgers. How how difficult was that for you to find a balance between playing really hard and physical, but not picking up fouls? Yeah, I mean, I just it's just staying just prepared and, and understanding your the situation at the time and and knowing that you can buy two points, even though you don't want that to happen. But you know, if you want to stay in the game and and, and keep contributing to the team. And other aspects, just you know, being able to keep your hands up and and just stay straight up in the air and, and stuff like that, instead of you know swiping down uh, for the foul and stuff like that, or swiping to go get a block that you know you can't get. So you know, just keep your hands up and just hoping they miss and stuff like that. One thing that can contribute to this stuff, right, is is 
being emotional and clearly like playing with emotion. I mean, talking with you in real life over Zoom, you're a pretty, pretty laid back guy, um, but you're fiery out there on the court. And I wonder as you come into like this season compared to last, where is that line um, between using that emotion, which it can really be a superpower, but that can also be debilitating if it's getting you getting you into foul trouble? How do you how do you work on that part of the game? Um, just staying focused on the, the, the goal and, and not being overly, you know, crazy on the court or like showing too much, you know, but, you, you know, also, you know, keeping that emotion, but like not showing it as much. And like, and then just, you know, I, I don't know, because I, I just play with so much emotion. I just don't, I don't know. That's how I play. And I, I don't know, like, it's kind of hard to, like, because that's the way I, I just play. And, it, and sure. it just helps my teammates out, I think. I just think when I get that emotion, it, they they see it and they're like, yeah, I got to, you know, step it up too. And, you know, they get on his level, you know, all be at the same time. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that one. It's tough. It's tough. And and I think it depends, you know, on the team and the roster too. You've got you've got Draymond who's made a whole career out of being like incredibly emotional and other people who are just completely deadpan. So I think that's part of, of a coaching staff's job too is to find, hey, like we need Malik out there because these these guys are like dead in the water. We gotta get some fire. I think I just have to find a way to have that emotion without, you know. And then without fouling and stuff like that, you know, still showing that same emotion, just um, being prepared and being ready and, you know, keeping your hands up and stuff like that. So you won't keep picking up those cheap fouls and still have that emotion on the court so I can stay on the court and help my team out ultimately. And then I'll be in good shape, I think. Yes, you will. In your first 11 games playing college basketball, you play at hostile environment, Xavier. You play at home against North Carolina, who at the time was top five in the country. You play in Vegas against Arizona in a charged environment, and you play at KU. I mean, it is four unbelievable environments for a basketball game. We talked about Xavier a a little bit. Let's talk about North Carolina. Not one of your best games, obviously, but a great game for Indiana and the team win, and I know you're a team guy. There's a big difference between playing Moorhead State and what the crowd feels like and when we play a team like North Carolina. What do you remember about the environment heading into that North Carolina game? Um, you could just tell if, if it's like one of those Purdue um, Indiana games. Like they start, you know, packing up before anything. You see them in the tents waiting outside. And like, you know, like it's, it's something big around town. It's like it's, it's Indiana basketball. So it's like it's crazy. And then, you know, coming into the game, when you first get into the game and you're warming up, the crowd loud, chanting and doing all the stuff, it's just like a, a it's just like a great feeling. And then you just, you know, you go out there and play and then just don't worry about what happens. Just go out there and play and win. Love it. Um, I wonder about that Vegas experience because, you know, you flew all over the country uh, in prep school or in at Montverde. And I do because – for for old timers like us, like I was amazed 
to see how many Indiana Hoosiers showed up in Las Vegas, Nevada. Can you talk a little bit about that trip, that experience? We don't have to talk about the game per se, but everything else. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a crazy experience because it's, it was so many Indiana fans around the hotel that we were in and in the hotel that we were in. And it was just like everywhere you went, you were getting stopped. And it was it's just crazy because the gym was connected to the hotel. So it, it, it was just crazy. And, and the fans were kind of – and then when we walked out to go to the game, all our fans were there. And I was like, Whoa. I was like, where do I go and stuff? <laughs> and I'm like, it was just so crazy. And it, it went from the – the elevator all the way to the to the bus and it was I was like oh my goodness this this is any basketball for real and I was like Malik did did you know that Ward got physically assaulted by a security guard during that line oh my yeah because we were trying to help set it up Ward was videotaping like Trace walking out so Ward was walking out too y'all were the first people I've seen Hell yeah, we were. And a security guard grabbed Ward and like threw him into the side. Like, get out of here. It was a great shot. It was a cinematic shot. And yeah. uh, it totally got disrupted by MGM security. At one point, Eric Eric was being yelled at by one of our own fans for running through the tunnel. So it was a little bit chaotic. Um <laughs> But, I mean, like, for, for you guys, brand new to it, to us, who've been doing it our whole lives, it's like, oh, this is this is pretty special. And it's like, you know, it, it can show, like, just how invested this fan base always is, no matter what, but especially how excited they are for Co- Coach Woodson and all of you guys. And, and to me, that really felt, for those of us out here west at least, like, this is the beginning of a new era, and, and you're, you're a part of that new beginning. Yeah, Coach, Coach Wilson um, loves playing the best of the best. So you know he tries to get those, you know those those top five games and those those big games. That's why we played a lot of those teams this year, and you know it was a great experience and we, we did you know pretty well for ourselves. And I think that ultimately helped us going to the Big Ten and stuff like that. And like when we were playing Kansas and we and we went in there, and then we seen that tough environment and that helped us with a lot of. Um, away games in the Big Ten and stuff for really like because that's not the we've seen the worst was was Kansas and I, I'll say that because they were probably one of the you know loudest and stuff like that because just the way the you know the arena is built is so old and stuff like the the sound just comes back and it's like it's just loud in there too so well there, the worst one. there there's no doubt that that stretch of the season basically from Arizona in December through the beginning of the year was the toughest stretch of basketball for us for multiple reasons. Not the least of which is Xavier goes out with an injury, obviously in the Kansas game. So there's our point guard, senior point guard. He goes out. We, we have, you know, we then play a couple teams that aren't that great in Elon and Kennesaw state, but then we play Iowa with the big 10 season starting again in a game that was just one of the hardest to watch because we had the game in our pocket, then race gets injured. Right. And what's interesting about this time is your minutes are kind of declining at this time, but then as they always say, you got to be ready race gets injured. And now you're inserted back into the lineup where you're going to be relied on more and starting with the Northwestern game, 
and the Penn State game, which neither one great outcomes. But you're now playing 24 minutes, 11 minutes, 14 minutes, 14 minutes, 21 minutes. And after Northwestern and Penn State and Iowa, that that 0-3 run, things start to turn. Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan State. Were you... Did you have your confidence shaken at all in before that stretch? And did it get reinstilled when you got inserted back into the lineup? Just mentally, what were you going through? Um, I, I say my confidence was still there. It was just knowing that if you know you, you make a, a mistake or you know what I'm saying, like you were you were trying to get out or something like that. But sure, then, that's what it felt like. Yeah, but then. Once you um, understand that, you, you you try not to think of that, and then you just keep playing your type of basketball. And I think I started improving. And I started, you know, really focusing on defensive side more and, you know, helping that on the side and then letting the offense flow, flow to me. And then I think I started picking it up from there. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but after we lost those three Big Ten games and Kansas and Arizona didn't work out, IU Nation was sort of freaking out like maybe a lot and hopefully you're somewhat insulated from that. But I'm wondering inside the locker room, inside the program, whereas outside everybody's thinking, Oh my gosh, this season is cooked. We're dead. How did you guys um, stay focused and get back to the winning mentality? Because it seems like at a certain point, like, Oh, to, to win, you've got to believe you can win. But how do you do that after losing five, the five real games in a row you had? As a, yeah, as a team. Um, yeah, I mean, just going back to practice and, and, and understanding what the ultimate goal was and and not and that those losses dwell on us and and picking it back up and, and, and just going on to the next game and focusing on the next game. And I think after that, was that like the six-game span when we lost like six games in a row? Or something well, like I don't that? think we ever lost Five six of, in a row. Five Nine, seven. It was like a spin where we went like five and then we were like, we were, we we're trying to find back our mojo and stuff like that. And we, and we were figuring it out and then we finally figured it out. And then that's when we started um, prospering again and really going on those runs and, and having a good time and stuff like that. Yeah. And it coincided not by coincidence with your game turning around Illinois, Michigan state, Minnesota, you score 10 points. Ohio State, you go for your career high at Indiana, 15 points, eight rebounds, and in 23 minutes. did How good did it feel to kind of have that breakout game against Ohio State uh, at that point in, in the season? Yeah, it felt good, you know, having that breakout game because it gave, it was giving, it was, I was starting to gain more, even more and more confidence. And believing in myself and just believing in me too. So, hey, it felt great to have that game. And now let's get to the biggest home game of the year at this point. Here comes Purdue. They come into Bloomington. You've heard about the rivalry, but you've never experienced it. What do you remember about everything leading into that Purdue home game, which is a huge deal? Purdue ranked number one at the time in the country. What do you remember about Purdue week, that game, and, and what your coaches, especially Woody, who's lived it, told you about that game? Uh, they, they told us it's a crazy game. It's a crazy atmosphere. 
and you could tell like a week before the game, you already see the people trying to, you know, get their spots in line. And then um, the student set, the student line was so crazy. They had to put it in the, in the old gym or in the track and stuff like that. So we were handing out donuts and I'm like, yo, this is crazy. <laughs> I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like, this, this is a huge game. And I'm like, I'm like, I got to play good. And then when we got down to game time, uh, we, we jumped out pretty quick and it was, it was awful from there. We, we, didn't, we didn't let up. I wonder in that situation, like it's so loud, you can't even hear each other talk. Um, do you, do you, as a, as an emotional guy, do you, do you feel, do you feel that lift? Is it like a physical sensation when 17,000 people are losing their mind for you to do well? Yeah, you, you feel it, you, you feel that adrenaline, and then that's when, like, you start playing, and it feel like you got superpowers out there, and it's like, we're all combining together and stuff. It, it Voltron, you're Voltron in that son of a bitch. You it's like we Voltron. all... Avengers for a more modern reference. Avengers. Yeah. Avengers assemble. <laughs> it's like we're all clicking at once and it felt it, it was like we were it was too good. I think best basketball too. Yeah. If you were a Marvel superhero, which one would you be? A Marvel superhero? KB Yeah, to, uh, tell KB to get his shit in check. <laughs> Just coming in here blasting. Yeah. Um, can you say the question again? I'm sorry. What if you were a Marvel superhero, which one would you be? Not not gonna lie, I think I'll be Spider-Man. Is that Uh that's is that a Marvel superhero? Yeah, yeah, it is. Spider-Man. I just like I just like when he because he's so smooth with it. He is. He is so smooth with it. Like your game. In yeah. fact, so smooth, you hit a left-hand jump hook shot in Zach Eady's face in that game. You went for eight points, four rebounds in 20 minutes, by the way. Big-time minutes in that game. But how good did it feel to hit a left-handed hook in that guy's face, right in his grill? Yeah, I had to. I had to get a little room before I shot it. I had to give him a little shimmy shake. <laughs> so, and once I seen the basket, it was a clear shot. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna make this one." It, it felt good coming out of my hands. So, but it went all in there. I was just like, "Yes, sir." <laughs> <laughs> is it, that's is what, that the biggest? That's what I was thinking in my head. <laughs> yes, sir. Is he the biggest human being you've ever played basketball against? Yeah, uh, no doubt, no doubt. He he's like a real seven, like five, <laughs> two two like eighty. Is it's like crazy two ninety or something like that. It's crazy. Can you move him at all? Yeah, like you gotta like you gotta like like shove up against him and like because you you're you're like lowering him, so you're already at his legs, so you're gonna move him a little bit. So like, especially that you. We're lifting a little bit. We're pushing up a little bit. And that's how you, like, you move them up a little bit. I don't think that's the right strategy. Have you thought at all about tickling him? 
Malik, <laughs> just a little, uh, a little tickle under the arm. You know, I mean, the what side. Kind of tickle was this? This is the ball tickle. <laughs> well, I mean, to tickle his balls, you got to go like that. But I'm just saying, he's a big dude. Big dudes don't like to be tickled. I'm just yeah. saying, think about that next year. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the season is getting back on track. That is a huge, huge, huge win, and it's followed up by another huge win, which is a grind-out, ugly game against Rutgers, a team that has owned us, and beating them and Purdue back-to-back games was such a huge deal. That's followed up by Michigan, who's always given us trouble, another team that's really given us trouble over the last several years, and we beat them. We stub our toe against Northwestern, obviously, but the season wait, starts. Sorry, wait. go ahead. But but because we've gone through this stretch of, and I know we're going to get back to Iowa too, but like Northwestern, Iowa, Penn State, these teams were the bane of our existence last year. Can you explain why those kind of teams, which on paper are not as talented as we are, what, what was it about those teams that gave us fits, and how are we going to fix that this year? Um... You know, being being able to space the floor out and, and, and guard their perimeter guys, that's gonna be key. And then, you know, last year those type of teams was just spacing the floor out and shooting the three ball pretty well against us every time we played them. Um, Penn State, they have um, funk with every time he played us, he had a great game. And I was just making contested threes and stuff like that, playing with a lot of confidence. So we just gotta be able to close out harder um, and show a hand quicker. And so they won't get those type of shots off and get those open looks they were having. And that's yeah. why you're working you're working with the wings, right? Yeah. So you could close out more of those on those fours that like to shoot the three ball and stuff like that. All right, let's fast forward a little bit through some of these games and let's get back to Purdue. Because even though we've lost so many to them over the recent years, we do expect to beat them every year at home. And then even when Indiana was clicking back in the Bob Knight years, Purdue beat us more times than we beat them at Purdue. I mean, by far, they, they would dominate at Purdue. We would dominate at Indiana every once in a while you get one, but winning on the road, as you know, is hard against anybody. Winning on the road against Purdue at Mackey is near impossible. Listen. And yet, you did it. What was that environment like? And do you put that environment just below Kansas? No, I think, actually, I think that one was, that one was probably one and then Kansas. Okay. Two. What was that like, Malik? It's crazy. It's just like, it's just like our fans, but like, just a little like tad bit worse, like they, they, they're terrible. It's okay. like our fans, ugly. except uglier and stupider. Yeah, like basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I try to, but but you, it, it's like super loud, and it's like our gym, and like their gym is like like loud too. It's really like you can't hear nothing, and it's like it's like bullish. So it's like I don't know. It's it's crazy down there. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's Are like you- a giant, giant toilet bowl. Um, I, you, you know, we've we've mentioned him before. He's your buddy. He's your boy. He's headed to the NBA very shortly. 
Um, the, the national coming out party for Jalen Huchifino was in West Lafayette. Can you talk about what it was like on the court, on the bench, witnessing him do something that Indiana fans will be talking about forever? Yeah, um, Fino had a great game. He, he was on that game, he was clicking. Um, and they were giving him those type of shots, and he was taking advantage of those type of shots. He, he loved to take those one dribble pull-ups, those two dribble pull-ups, and those fadeaway shots. And and those open catching three shoot threes ain't um basically every kind of shot basically all the shots all, the shots. <laughs> all those type of socks and, and he was clicking and it was it was his day and i think from there he, he just shot and he was kept going had had i mean I, you guys won a couple national championships together so you you'd seen what that guy could do but on that stage in that environment is that as good of a performance as you've seen from him um, yeah, that, yeah, he did. He, he played, he played super well that game. And then the other one I seen was against IMG. That one was pretty good too. Yeah. What happened? Um, what was it? It was at Geico's. We, we all had a great game. Yeah. Rafino had a good one too. Nice. I, I don't remember like, what happened though. Like, just, he was just scoring from everywhere on the court. Yeah. He had a pretty good game in that game. I know that for a fact. What's better, winning a game against a rival with your home crowd cheering you on or going into a rival's home court and winning away and just sticking a knife right in their heart? Um, why am I thinking about this? It's, it's going into the rivals and, and sticking it in their heart. Like, it's, it, it just feels good when you beat the rival team and, um, and you, get the, uh, you get the sweep on them. It just felt pretty good going in there and doing that. And we had a great time. Then we I, I want to ask about like, okay, post-produce celebrations, because the rest of us Hoosiers, we're just flying high until the next game. This idea of like, how does coach Woodson approach it? Does he let you party in the locker room? And then it's like, okay, it's time to get serious. Does he give you the night and say, okay, but tomorrow morning we're back on it. How do you, how do you walk that line? Um, it's right after the little celebration in the locker room. Then we right back to business. There's, um, it's, you got a game in the next day or so, so you got to get ready for it. Yes, you, you do. And the season ends up, we go to the Big Ten tournament. You turn in one of your best games of the year in a huge win against Maryland in the Big Ten tournament. Eight points, 11 rebounds, your season high in rebounds. Play 21 minutes. Penn State, again, had our number. You did get six points and six rebounds in that game. But now it's time for Selection Sunday. You you know college basketball. You've been a fan. What do you remember about Selection Sunday? How much fun was it to be with your team to see your name called during that selection show? Uh, it felt good to um, to not be one of the teams that um, you don't know if you're going to get called or not. So. And, and then when we got called, we were one of the top seeds, the top four seeds, and it felt pretty good, you know, being up on the TV and, and seeing us celebrate and, and working that hard to get to that type of level. And we plan on doing it this year, too. I like that. Now, when Kent State is your opponent in the tournament, do you guys immediately start going, who knows, who knows anybody on that team? Does anybody know anybody? Like, are you sizing them up personally? Uh, um. Um, yeah, I mean, cause like certain people know, you know, certain people and then 
when you know somebody on that team or one of your teammates do, you start like, oh, I know him. He ain't that good. Da, da, da. You do stuff. <laughs> like everybody does that. But, <laughs> you know, if you know him, you can be like, oh, he does this, that, and that. You start telling him, like, what he can't do and what he can't do, stuff like that. So you probably do, like, stuff like that. So you you get there. You get to beautiful Albany, New York. And what's it what's it like? It's your first March Madness. Um, just kind of going there, being a part of the environment, and then of course sticking it to Kent State in the first game. It was freezing up there. Actually. <laughs> it was still cold up there. I was like, dang. And then um now it felt good to be one of those top seeds there because you knew going in, you're gonna it's gonna be a hard game, but like you knew it's like one of those like ease games and then we came in there with a lot of confidence. Trace and Fino had a great game. And then everybody was clicking, actually, that game, too. Miller was, too. So everybody had a great game. And then that gave us a lot of confidence. And then we were, we were confident going into the next one. So let's not talk about that next one. And then the season ended. <laughs> yeah, then the season was over. That's cool. That's cool. Listen, your career is starting amazingly well. Yes. You finish higher in the Big Ten than we finished in a long time. You get a top four seed, which we haven't gotten in a long time. You won a round of 64 game. That's great. That's where you want to start. And now, just keep stepping it up. If you want to go ahead and win the championship next year, go ahead. We're not going to be upset about that. But yeah, you yeah. just keep stepping it up. So, And then we've kind of gotten into the offseason. I want to ask you a couple questions because you've been in Bloomington for a year now. Yeah. Favorite restaurant in Bloomington. What is it? Um, I gotta go with my burger, Big Wood. Which which one? The the burger I created at Big Wood. You created <laughs> a burger at Big Boy. Go on. At Big Wood. Big Wood. <laughs> Big Wood. Yeah, I had create my um. They let me create a, a burger for the for the menu. What's on the, the burger? It's it's bacon, cheese, and an onion ring, and it's on Big. It's at Big Wood Restaurant. What kind of any kind of sauce on there? Yeah, barbecue sauce. It has a little barbecue sauce on it too. So, or you so, and I ate there once. Yeah. What are we gonna What are we gonna ask them for? What's the burger called? It's called the Malik Renew Burger. Don't <laughs> 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 be like right there. You're gonna see it. It's it's yeah, and, and I, it tastes very good. I'm do you like, get yeah. Do you get like a dime for every burger that's sold? Um, no, I donate a dollar for every um. Um, burger that's so so it goes to the um, charity of big big brothers big sister oh that's nice that's, that's very amazing. nice that's very nice that's really cool yeah i don't i don't eat bacon but i'll order a burger so you can give so you can do a dollar i'll order a burger and give it to ward bacon on the side just just get it ba oh but you can't have the cheese with the meat either right no, no. i'm yeah. all screwed Wait. i need a malik renew veg vegan burger <laughs> yeah. Yeah. all right favorite pizza in bloomington Favorite pizza in Bloomington? Yeah. Mm. I'll go Mother's Bear. Mother yeah. Bear. Yeah, yeah, that's the right answer. Favorite dessert? Favorite dessert? I'm not like a dessert guy. Okay, good. Not that. That's, well, that's how you get down to 7% body fat, yeah, and I'm we'll, at 48. We'll do it for you. Okay. Uh, You've known a lot of your teammates now for a year. You've gotten to know them. There's obviously some new guys. You're in a dark alley. 
you're being approached by a group of Purdue Boilermaker hooligan assholes. You can only pick one guy from your team to be in a fight with you toe to toe with these (laughs) assholes. Who are you picking to be in the fight with you? Can I pick two, please? No, no. Against the rules. No, not letting you not letting you get out of this with trying to make two friends happy. Because there's two guys in the room. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I'll take I'll take CJ. I'll take CJ. CJ in a fight. Is he right there? No, nah, he's not right here. He in the room. I'm thinking CJ over KP. You think CJ would just lose his mind with that wiry length and just knock some people out? Yeah. And and, and he just like He's just a tough guy. Like I just, I just know, I just know he's gonna have my back if I get in that type of situation. All right. Who? All right. You're, you're, uh, you gotta send one teammate. What? You gotta ask the flip. We gotta ask the flip. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Who's the teammate you would least want to be in that alley with you? Yep. <laughs> you gotta answer it. It. it <laughs> oh my! I can't do that one. Yeah, you can. Who's not a fighter? Who's not a fighter? Who's a lover, not a fighter? Oh, my. I can't. I'll, I can't. I can't. I'll tell you who I think. Who? I don't think Anthony Leo wants to screw up that face. <laughs> no, nah, I think I think Anthony, Anthony, nah, Anthony would be there for me, too. Really? Yeah. Oh, I think Anthony's going to run away. I don't think none of my guys are running away. All right, All right, good. I'll All give right. it to you. Ward, go for it. You you have to send one emissary from the team, one ambassador to America's Got Talent. Who, which teammate are you sending, and what talent will they display? Oh. Okay. Dancing, singing, comedy. Okay, then I'm going with CJ. He's he going to be rapping on there. CJ raps. He has the best flow. Get him in here. Get him in here. Tell Uh-oh. CJ to come in. <laughs> Tell CJ to come in. He's got bars. Yeah, he got bars today. <laughs> we need you to CJ. Flow. We need CJ. you to flow. CJ the- gun, everybody. He just said. First of all, first of all, you you should know that I asked Malik if he was, and when we interview you, you'll you'll have to answer this too. But you can't answer it, Malik, because that's not fair. Because I know you'll just be like being nice to him. I asked him if he was in a fight in an alley with a bunch of boilermaker assholes. Who would he want by his side? And he said, "You." Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Right there by his side. All right. I'll, now Ward I'll, asked him. All my guys. All my yeah, guys. You did say CJ first, but you did say yeah. CJ. Um, yeah. Ward asked him if he was going to send anybody to America's Got Talent. Who would it be, and what would the talent be? He said, "You rapping." Yeah, I, I do it a little bit. Like <laughs> you got, you got sixteen. You got sixteen. Malik, Malik, rap with me too. No, I do rap. I don't rap like that. <laughs> we, we got some. <laughs> Let's hear something. I mean, you freestyle or you got something written? Oh, uh, I, I got, I got some songs in the vault. Let's he- give us sixteen bars of a vault song. I can't. <laughs> I can't do that right now. <laughs> I can't get off the top of my head. I mean, all right. By the time we do your next interview, you better be able to go 16. <laughs> all right, I got you. 
and Malik I'll, and Malik I'll is going to be uh, no, I'll no, no. freestyle battle you. No, well, yeah, I do want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, CJ, we're gonna co- we're gonna come back to you soon, buddy. It's good to see you. Yes, sir. It's good to see y'all too. Appreciate y'all. Say hi to your dad. So, pops and mom. And <laughs> All right, Malik, Mother Bear's Pizza, not a dessert guy, loves the Malik Renew Burger at Big Woods, would take CJ Gunn in a fight, doesn't want to throw anybody under the bus. CJ's the most talented. Who would, if you had to live with one guy for one month and you couldn't leave the apartment, one guy all month, who would it be? Oh, man. And you are not allowed to say CJ Gunn. No CJ. No CJ. <laughs> you need somebody uh, clean. You need somebody respectful. I say, I'll say, I'll say KB then. Oh, KB's a good roommate. You're really a mis- You're a politician tonight. That's what you are. Uh, no, I'm not none of that. It's just like me and KB, like. Like we do the same thing. We like the same thing. We like to play the game and stuff like that. So we'll be like, we'll both we'll have like two TVs that we'll play online against other people and start beating them. And stuff. All right, Ward, flip it for him. Who's the last guy you'd want to be stuck in an apartment with for a month? Don't I mean, weasel out of this. Don't weasel out say, of this. You can't say me or Eric. It's got to be one of your teammates. Oh my. They always flipping it on me, CJ. <laughs> yeah, we put it on you. We put it on you. Oh man, like the one I, I don't want to hang out with for a month. For a month, it's oh. you're not you're not saying they're a bad guy, but hanging like I would not want to be stuck in an apartment with Ward for a month. Are you kidding? One time we stayed a couple nights in gr- the graduate together, and that was brutal. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see. Dang. I just don't. I don't want to throw nobody under the bus again. Yeah, I mean, I'm with nice. you on this, Malik. He's really putting you the grinder. This is going to be public knowledge. People are going to hear about this. All right, I'll let you off the hook, Malik. You've given us a ton of time tonight. You know, you're one of our favorite people in the world since the first time we met you a year ago. You know how much I like your father and mother. And I got to meet your brother very briefly once, but I'm a big fan of your family. A big fan of you. And you're a huge part of the future and present of Indiana University. And we are so lucky that you are there for your sophomore year. We can't wait to see what you do this year. Can't wait to see those step back threes, pick and pop threes. I'm excited to see you expand your game. Love your attitude. Love your smile. And really looking forward to who knows, maybe playing for you at the fantasy camp in two months. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> It's okay. We know we get drafted last, Malik. Everybody is sure to tell us that. Yeah. What was that? I want to see the three-point contest again. Oh, boy. That's ugly. <laughs> That's ugly. You could build yourself a house. You could build yourself a house. Um, uh, just, uh, just to sneak in for a moment, you just have such a great vibe about you, you know, and we love watching you play basketball, but for you to take this much time out of your evening to talk, not to just us, but to all of Hoosier nation listening, it's really a joy. And we we're rooting hard for you, man. We can't wait to see what happens uh, in on the hardwood, both in Bloomington and elsewhere. We know it's going to be a great year for you. Thank you so much. 
That was a guest. That was a guest. So we've had a little time since the end of the Malik interview. I was hoping to light up a victory cigar ward because IU baseball was playing Kentucky. Yep. An elimination game, and we lost. Against all the teams. Why them? And two in a row. Two in a row. But whatever. I'm going to focus on why I'm smoking this victory cigar, which is Malik, man. I just, uh, I love him. Like, we loved him a year ago when we met him. It's so funny, Ward. We met him a year ago almost to the day. I feel like we've known him for 10 years. I'm sure it feels like that to him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he's just got a great smile. There, There is just an innocence to him. You know, um, that is refreshing, I actually find. And I'm telling you, look, the guy is from Miami. He could have easily transferred to Miami, where NIL is plentiful, where making deep runs in the NCAA tournament is more of a given than has been at Indiana. You know, or, or anywhere, Florida, he could have gone back to. Like, there are places he could have gone. He didn't even explore it. He didn't even put his name in. And I respect that in this day and age, that is, that is amazing. And that's a testament to him and his parents for also like, it's not like he was a starter all year. So you can just be like, oh yeah, these guys stood by me the whole year. No, he got benched for a while. They took his minutes away. He was not, you know, in the main rotation as like counted on guy. And even with that, they trust the process. They trust the coaching staff, as Malik said. They trust the plan. And clearly, I loved when you asked him if he was excited to come back to Bloomington from Miami, and he was like, "I couldn't wait." Um, we so all I, remember. I that. We all remember that feeling, and it is a testament to all those things you mentioned, including the coaching staff, because it is hard in this day and age when you have a bona fide stud who's. Mm, He's he's sitting behind a, a tenth year senior and a first team All American out there who really know what they're doing, and that the coaching staff was whatever they were saying, whatever they were doing, however they were bringing him along, and really I think more importantly the culture they've created is something he couldn't wait to get back to, and that's something we can all relate to. It's very easy to look at these guys as these total anomalies, not not real Indiana students, not in the fact of, of like the education or whatever, but they're over here. They're superstars. They're the big men on campus, and they're there to, to, to ball when they're not studying really hard. Um, so it is heartening and, and really nostalgic to be like, oh, I remember getting back to Bloomington. And yeah, it was good to go home for a minute and see old friends and family. But oh, man, college is so fun, especially when it's in Bloomington. And even though these guys have a lot more on their shoulders than we do, the fact that he wanted to get back there and mix it back up with his guys again and to see Caleb on one side and CJ on the other. I mean, those guys are are having a great time in college at Indiana University. And it's easy to get scared to see uh, so many of these players looking for greener pastures. But along with the coaching staff, we have the greatest university in the world to to want to keep these kids around. And I'm I'm so glad he's one of us like that. Totally, totally agree. 
Um, love the smile on Caleb Banks's face. And CJ Gunn's got such a great personality. And those are two huge potential breakout building blocks. You know what I mean? Those are two guys that are potential four-year guys that have the size, the natural athletic ability, the length, and the skill to really make a difference this year and the next two years like that those guys are important for indiana important and to see them so happy and look i say that now i'm not naive it could all change a year from now the way things work it just could but they're both back neither one put their name in the transfer portal cj's from indianapolis so i didn't expect that one but caleb i was worried about you know i really was he's a long way from home He's not like a huge personality. I, I was a little worried about him getting swallowed up at a, at a big school like Indiana, being that far away from home. But he seems to really be enjoying it, has bonded with CJ and Malik and the rest of the guys. And I just love listening to Malik talk about like Anthony and X are the ones who kind of like lead the way and making sure that things are happening and guys are together. As I they love, should be. Yeah. I love that Yah reached out to Malik to say, hey, Go see what you can find out. Little little espionage, and and go go do some work for us with Mackenzie Mbako, and it worked. Obviously, everything worked. Everything matters in recruiting, and and it just makes me really happy. I love Malik. Love his parents. Um, back just to a your huge point, part of our year. Back to your point about CJ and Caleb, and yeah, just to see those guys chumming around. It's like, and yeah, those are the guys you're going to go battle a bunch of boiler assholes in the alleyway with or the Boilers and Mackey or whoever comes across your path in the NCAA tournament and they have each other's back. And this, this vision, hopefully we're starting to see come into fruition of coach Woodson of, of longer, taller, more athletic, rangy guys that are more versatile. It's like, yes, you want to grab the McKenzie's when they pop up and become available but I, I do think you have to have the CJs and the Calebs who maybe don't have it all put together as freshmen, but you, you build them year by year into something that not only provides that, um, but, but also provides then junior, senior leadership, which, you know, is going to be in short supply after this year, assuming, um, uh, wait, what, I guess, Trey and X X is gone. Trey and Anthony can still be there. They could do another year, but, but either way you're, you're starting, you know, you're starting to run out of runway with these, these building block guys. So you have to hope guys like this who fit the, the athletic profile that you want, the skill set profile are going to develop enough and love the culture enough to stick around and be those juniors and seniors. So you can fly in some really talented freshmen and transfer guys and still have a, a, a culture for them to join and, and other guys on the team who have been there and know how it's supposed to work. Otherwise it's really going to, it's going to be dangerous when it comes to getting that stuff to mesh in one season. And I think your point about the senior leadership you were talking about might be in short supply at Indiana. I think that's just going to be a college basketball trend at the power six level, you know, that finding guys, you, you'll have no problem getting seniors. You'll have problem getting seniors that were at your school for four years. Yes. Very that, are, that are key contributors the way that this is going. So a guy like CJ, a guy like Caleb, a guy like Trey Galloway, who's been playing a lot since his freshman year, keeping those guys invested. Uh, and we'll see what happens with Malik. 
I mean, I'm I'm thinking Malik is po- poised to have a really good season, but he does not have the profile of a guy who could jump to the NBA even after a really good season this year. And then you're talking about a third-year Malik Renew. Like, that's a big deal. You know, that's a really big deal. So love him, love his family, love love what he uh, means to Indiana. As always, follow us on Twitter, at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E. Ward, I figured out something. I say no I? Correct. Oh, thanks, man. As always, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics. For the hysterics, no E. No I. But the sometimes why. Oh, that feels good. It only took me a month to figure it out. <laughs> From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.